Oh my okay. lord. Uh, what are we doing? We're off to a great start. No, okay, we did caveat the fact that if if J.K. Rowling did a new book, yeah. we come back. Okay, and okay, this is okay. not just a regular doing of a book. This is ridiculously awesome what she right. did. Alright, we have to we have to intro the show properly and act like real podcasters again. Alright. Welcome to Cuckoo Cast. Cuckoo! Cuckoo Cuckoo I'm Melissa here with Mr. John Noe. Oh, hello. Mr. Frankie Franco. Hello. We're your host of Pottercast, who said that we were ending. We were stopping Ooh. podcasting. Ooh. And then a week Ooh. later. <laughs> okay, so here's here's what really happened. We did our last show, our last podcast at yep. Portland, the Portland LeakyCon. And a week after that, on a sunny Saturday afternoon, I got an email mm-hmm. that alerted me to a story that was going to be published in three hours about a mystery novel called The Cuckoo's Calling, written by Robert Galbraith, and mm. how it was really written by J.K. Rowling. That's crazy. And I wrote back, is this a real thing, or are you having a little joke on me? <laughs> and, the, and the person wrote back, no, this is, this is a real thing. Start writing. <laughs> so... How about, like, I start had, getting your ass to the bookstore? Like, start writing. Well, like, come on. That's like, hilarious. I had, th- I had three hours. John, you went to the bookstore before I did. You went to Amazon before I did. I didn't even think to get the book on Amazon. I mean, I got it on my Kindle. Yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. Like, me and Brie get in the car and head to our Barnes & Noble near uh, Santa Monica Promenade. And uh, their website said that, that they had them in stock. And so I put two of them on hold thinking, you know... Like, well, there's a chance, I guess. So we get in the car and like I'm a block away and I get a text message from Barnes & Noble saying, your copies are reserved, they're behind the desk. And I'm like, awesome. So we get there and walk out of there with our books and it was like the craziest thing because I talked to the guy who was working there. I think he was like an assistant manager. And I told him, uh, you know, like, do you have any idea why I'm like buying two of these weird looking books? And he's like, no, not really. And I'm like, this is a new J.K. Rowling book. And he's, he said, what? He, he, he's like, no. And he's like, is it okay if I write this down? And I'm like, yeah, dude, I think you should write this down. <laughs> like, he like writes it on a scrap of paper. Just said, you know, cuckoo's calling equals jk rowling question mark and i'm like no it's for real dude like you should think about what kind of display you want to uh uh come up with because this is for real but and then they were out of copies after that so yeah i didn't know this was happening until i was so late on this i heard a lot of stories of people proving to the bookstore owners (laughs) by by calling up the leaky article on their phones nice um and I remember remarking how amazing it was. It was the fa- I mean, found out it was a J.K. Rowling novel, pressed a button on my phone. I have J.K. Rowling novel. Like, th- th- no, here's the title. Here's the book. No press. No, there's that. We just go get the book. Yeah, and it was so crazy. wonderful. Not only that, she's written a second book. It'll be out in a year. Wow. It is written. That that's true. Uh, it's written. That's awesome. There's a. If have you been to the new Robert Galbraith website? Yeah, but it's. Uh yeah, I looked. There's at an it. FAQ. Well, let's okay. Let's keep this in the timeline. So, yeah. so we published this article, um, and now I having that little lead time was so beautiful because and I got this. This came to me not through any Potter related thing, but I I used to be a reporter, 
So I still have a lot of reporter friends and they have a lot of access to kind of like databases of stuff. And when they saw this, this article on hold, somebody was like, um, should tell Melissa. Yeah. <laughs> should really tell Melissa. We, <laughs> I'm just laughing because it was such a crazy, crazy day. It launched us right back into that breathless, there's Harry Potter news, go kind of, kind of thing. And it was, it was really wonderful. I got, I got to kind of craft this article and, and show my favorite reviews that I, one read on on Goodreads, for instance, on the back of the book cover, there is a blurb that says, "Cormor and Strike, which is her main her main character, is an amazing creation, and I can't wait for his next outing." Strike is so instantly compelling that it's hard to believe this is a debut novel. This is from <laughs> one of the authors who blurbed it. Wow! It, and they've all those authors have said since we had no idea it was a J.K. Rowling book. Well, I guess only like three people knew, or were supposed to know. Supposed to know. So anyway, one of one of the reviews on Goodreads also said, "This is a true murder mystery in the classic genre. It's it's right on point, and it, except it doesn't have any of the misogynistic BS that usually comes along with that." <laughs> and I, oh. I laughed so hard. Well, I can't have everything. Getting to bring that news to the Harry Potter public again was freaking awesome. Uh, and then you know we're sitting here with books in hand and uh started to read the first few pages and at the same time i'm putting together pottercast 295 or 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 249.5 which was meant to be the second to last episode and i'm you know i was just kind of i hadn't done this in a long time and i'm just kind of i'm uh, (laughs) i'm sitting here trying to edit this show and I'm thinking, you know, like, why couldn't we maybe just do, like, a couple of these for Cuckoo's Calling? Like, what the hell? Like, that could that could work. You, you didn't take much convincing. No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not was, at I all. I wanted to do it that day. Hop on the old recording and record, but um, we couldn't really get it together yeah. that day. Um, no. It's, so, wait, when did this one... April. April 30th. And when did Amazon, Amazon the Castle Lanky come April. out? Oh, a year ago? No, it's right? been, it hasn't been a year so far, has it? Got to be a year. It was a summer release, wasn't it? Or was it September? September? September. I think. September. Not September. a year. I just, I'd love it. I'd love it. I'd love it because she went out, wrote a detective novel that got almost all rave reviews. It got starred reviews from Publishers Weekly. It got a high rating on everything. He kept, it kept saying, "This person, this author, is one to watch." This seems so polished it's so, and so and so mature. Can't believe this is an author's first. You know, anybody who ever said she's a flash in the pan, it's all hype, it, she doesn't deserve. Oh yeah, she went and published under a pseudonym. No one knew, <laughs> and it was a success anyway. Eighty five hundred copies in three months is actually quite a lot for a first time novelist, mm-hmm. quote unquote, first time novelist. So, you know. Between ebooks and hard copies, there were eighty five hundred copies sold. Outrageous! Well, just I so- just hope that everybody that wrote her a letter after that wrote Robert Gabbard a letter, like gets something from her, gets a little like, yeah, totally. <laughs> you know? I could totally well, see her doing that as well. Me too. So speaking of this, so being so early on, we had been debating whether or not because these were first edition copies and there was such a low amount of them in print compared to other stuff from Joe all of these new issues that are going to restock Amazon and all the bookstores will undoubtedly not be the same, um, you know, first editions. They're, they're going to include an updated author bio, bio obviously. Well, no, it's going to be the same. 
Well, it's going to be the same bio, mm-hmm. except it'll say at the end that, that Robert Galbraith is a pseudonym for J.K. Rowling. Right. But what is, what is the bio on the book right now? Because I don't have a hard copy. It says it's it's pretty great. Right. <laughs> Listen, Robert Galbraith spent several years with the Royal Military Police before being attached to the SIB, Special Investiga- Investigation Branch, of the plainclothes division of the RMP. He left the military in 2003 and has been working since then in the civilian secu- security industry. The idea for Cormoran's strike grew directly out of his own experiences and those of his military friends who returned to the civilian world. Robert Galbraith is a pseudonym. So not only did you create the, a guy who's writing under a pseudonym, but also a whole character of the author. Her editor didn't know that it was her when he read it. Really? Yeah. She unmasked herself to him. It says it on the website. That she unmasked herself to him afterwards. Oh. I mean, I'm sure that it got into... I mean, her editor like runs that publishing company, so I'm sure that it got to him in in a it's not like he picked it out of the unsolicited pile i'm sure somebody handed it to him and said this is this is one of your authors or this is this is somebody you know who's written under a pseudonym like or you should read this you know whatever it is mm-hmm. i mean i'm looking right now at ebay which is kind of blowing my mind because oh, there just are people at eBay that, are, too. that are selling these things and either. there's there's two different sorts of people doing this right now there's the sneaky buttholes that are like saying i have a hundred copies available but I can't ship it to you until the end of the month. Well, obviously, they don't have any of those copies right now. They're waiting on all of the books they ordered from Amazon or waiting for them to show up in bookstores, and they're just doing a pre-sale. Wait, but wait, there wait. Are How do that, you tell that? How do you tell that? Because it says, when is it delivering by? Um, and Does it um, say when it was posted? Uh, yeah, it says that too. But like, here's a, a different one here, for example. This one says that they'll ship right away. And the winning bid was three hundred and sixty dollars, and then another one for two eighty, and then one for four hundred, and one for six hundred. Because basically, the first day that this was all going on, your availability on Amazon originally said um, immediately, and then it said about yeah, a w- prime. then it said about a week, and then it said you know one to three weeks or two to three weeks. So I imagine that a lot of these um, that have you know over a hundred sold by the same person and they're saying, you know, we'll give it to you by August 1st. A lot of those people probably just don't. Well, I, I found some somebody on Twitter today said that they just, they got a book off eBay because they thought that it was, it looked interesting and it ended up, it's an ARC, which is an advanced reader's copy. Oh, she crap. didn't really know what she was getting. So she ended up with not, not only a first edition, but an ARC, which is, That's which amazing. is really special. Wow. Yeah, she tweeted at me and said, is, is, do you think this is worth anything? I said, ah. Oh. I think so. Uh, Hold on to that. You're like, no, I'll give you ten bucks for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's worth nothing. I'll, I'll here's fifty bucks. Just, just send it to me. I'll take it. That's crazy. Uh, no. So, so this, this got out there. Everybody thought that it was a marketing ploy, but it wasn't. This got out there because one of her lawyers said it to somebody he thought he could trust, who then turned around and told somebody else, and that somebody else tweeted at the Sunday Times, who had just like the, the Sunday Times had just tweeted about. Robert, Robert Galbraith's book and somebody tweeted back at the at the author of the article and said the person who wrote that is JK Rowling and they said how do you know and the person said I just know and then deleted their entire account mm. so the Sunday Times underwent an investigation they, they took it upon themselves to try and figure it out they went to linguistic experts at Oxford and said here's here's the Harry Potter books here's some other detective novels here's this book run it through your software that does whatever it does and tell us and the and the, the pro style came out closer to Deathly Hallows and Casual Vacancy than any of the other detective novels. And so then the Sunday Times wrote to her agent or her publishing or her publicity, I don't know which, and said, 
we're just going to ask you straight out. Is this, is this book written by JK Rowling? And they, and they, they fessed up. That's awesome. Oh, wait, what is the, Who's the American publisher? A Mulholland house. I mean, little Brown is an international house. So they have, they have imprints, you yeah. know, so if you try to buy it right now on Amazon, it says ships in four to five days. And I haven't looked at this in a while. They're probably just getting the So name. they are probably just getting the next punch back. I just, I, just, I just love it because her name is Money in the Bank. She can write anything and it will sell millions and millions yeah, of copies. Yeah. Even when her so name isn't The fact it. that she didn't care. <laughs> uh-huh. That she, she wanted the pure experience of being a first-time writer and getting actual and building an actual audience based on just your writing. It's kind of amazing. It's so awesome. Ah, I love her even more. You know, I I had wondered, like, you know, all you hear from, from her people these days is, you know, she's she's off writing, she's off writing, she's off writing. Like writing what? Vegas, it was a, a big book that would take anybody a year or two years to, to, to publish. But it's been six years now. So, of course, she's written two other books that we didn't know about in that time. <laughs> I can't. She's awesome. But yeah, it's just, oh my gosh, so cool. All right, I'm being chatty. I'm just excited. Oh, well, I'm ex- I'm excited too. So we should start telling people what it is that we're going to attempt to do with this, because every other time we've had a new J.K. Rowling book in the history of Pottercast, we've read the book immediately, and we have not done that for this one. And we think that we can hold out long enough to uh, only read up to the part in the book that we plan to be recording and talking about. So as of right now, we have only read the prologue. And this episode is going to basically, other than our reacting to how ridiculous this whole thing is, we're going to get through the prologue and talk about uh, what this book could be about. And then next week, we're going to pick it up and uh, read all the way through part one, which I think is like the first six or seven chapters seven or chapters. so of the book. Yeah, but it is, they're very tiny chapters. I've paged through and some chapters are only like three or four pages long, while others are a bit longer. This, this is this is murder for me. I I read more mysteries growing up than anything else. It's what attracted me to Harry Potter, and I've said that in countless interviews over the years. That that what do you, why why did you start reading Harry Potter? I said because it's a great mystery at its core, and a lot of other reasons too. But but you know I read every Agatha Christie. I read every Mary Hill Clock book there is. Like the fact that J.K. Rowling is writing mysteries is just oh my god, it's great. And I don't know how I'm going to stop reading the book every week in order to. I know, it's probably going to get us uh, back to our computers to record these things more often so we can all have permission to keep reading. (laughs) But we're going to use our Twitter account frequently here, so if you have not gotten the book yet and you're lucky enough to get it around the same time that this episode comes out or you having heard about it and you want to read along with us, I think that would be fun. And uh, if we can come up with a way to get your feedback different points where we're not going to see comments that spoil us. Um, maybe we will have a way for you to ask uh, questions or give talking points on things that someone at that same point in the book may have thought of uh, as well. But uh, we'll, we'll get, we'll get to that if, that if that works. I'm not quite sure how we can do that without opening up to spoilers, but we'll see. Yeah, because near the end, I think we're going to have to try and lock it down and not. I guess how long do you think... Just guessing, obviously, we don't know. Um, did you want to keep the pretense, the pseudonym up, do you think? Um, it says okay. on the website that she had, quote, labyrinthine plans for, for keeping, it, keeping it quiet. Yeah, I mean, you'd think you wouldn't go through all this trouble, especially if she wants to do a series of these and, and be pleased that uh, 
a month or two in, you're already outed. And for in, in such a silly way, too, because just someone telling their wife or whatever, and then her telling somebody, and then somebody tweeting. The question on her website was, was revealing the true identi- identity of Robert Galbraith not simply an elaborate marketing campaign to help boost sales? Quote, if anyone had seen the labyrinthine plans I laid to conceal my identity or indeed my expression when I realized that the game was up, they would realize how little I wanted to be discovered. I hope to keep the secret as long as possible. I'm grateful for all the feedback from publishers and readers and for some great reviews. Being Robert Galbraith has been all about the work, which is my favorite part of being a writer. This was not a leak or a marketing ploy by me, my publisher, my or my agent, both of whom would have been completely supportive of my desire to fly under the radar. If sales were what matters to me most, I would have written under my own name from the start and with the greatest fanfare. At the point I was outed, Robert had sold 8,500 English-language copies across all formats and received two offers from television production companies. The situation was becoming increasingly complicated, largely because Robert was doing rather better than we had expected him to, but we all still hoped to keep the secret a little longer. (laughs) Yet Robert's success during his first three months as a published writer actually compares favorably with J.K. Rowling's success over the equivalent period of her career. Oh, (laughs) that's nice. Oh, I love her so much! I'll tell you though, the first she's right. The first three months of Harry Potter, I don't think sold eighty five hundred copies. Really? And can you imagine? Yeah, no, I don't think that many were, were published. I think it was five. That it was forty five hundred for the first print. It took about a month for them to go to the second print. No, it took four days for them to go to the second print. But in terms of how many were in readers' hands, as opposed to how many have been printed, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, just imagine Harry Potter as a seven book series had an ending point. Some of these mystery detective novel characters go on for 20, 30 books. Like, mm. It's just a new chapter every time. She could be writing this for the rest of her life. Can you imagine how many copies will sell over time? Crazy. In this, it's gonna be bigger, it, it, this guy might sell more copies than Harry Potter ultimately. But I'm just saying. Good. It's a whole other market. It is a whole other market. And like a whole other audience too, I imagine. But it's do, gonna... do we think that young people could read this? How young? A lot of cursing, but... Define young. Like the same the same age that we're picking up in reading Harry Potter? Not at book one. Not book one, no. I mean, I wouldn't want Maybe. an 11-year-old to read the book. Me neither. Maybe 15, I would say. An advanced 15-year-old could really start reading these. Around when I was reading, like, mystery novels. You know, I was having a debate here with some people about her being upset about not being uh, anonymous anymore or not being Robert anymore and the whole idea that she's looking for feedback without being compared to other books and I was I was kind of thinking like is it not sort of similar to like if you're a really good player on World of Warcraft and you're like a super high level and very well known for it and you start a brand new account as a new name at level one and you're just like killing everybody and everybody's like wow you're really good at this game oh my gosh you're like super super good like would that would that kind of you know evaluation of your work even be legit or meaningful if people think that you're just this brand new author and they're so impressed because it's your first book and in reality it's like your ninth or tenth book or something yeah, but of somebody's first book doesn't mean 
that only means it's their first published book. You don't know how much training they've had. You don't know how much they've written on their own. Just because somebody comes into the game really advanced doesn't mean they they have less of a right to that to that praise. And I I, th- I think it's more. I think it's reversed. I think we need to like switch the polarity in that question. Like it's not about trying to pretend like, hey, I'm a new person, but look how talented I am. It's wanting to divorce people from the bias that carries around the fact that like it's J.K. Rowling, and so everyone's just gonna be like, oh, it's great. You know what I mean? Just because they have this emotional attachment to her and her books. And, and it's just, it's not a neutral, you know what I mean? Like this, this is completely without value. And so people can be like, Oh, it was good. It was bad. There's no baggage to it. It's just a genuine like reaction to what they read versus carrying the fact that she's has this huge franchise behind her. You know what I mean? He also bypassed all the junk that would have come with it, like J.K. Rowling, all the stories. J.K. Rowling switching to mystery. What is she not like children's books anymore? Why is the author giving up on kids? All that, all that claptrap would have would have come with it. All the press and the now people are shutting up because they have the book in their hands. And who the hell cares? Why ask a question? I don't see. It's just it's such a unique situation though, because like she is no, yeah. she had nothing to gain financially <laughs> from doing this she had stuff to lose financially from doing this and so like it so is everybody associated with her maybe for, it's my for, limited for understanding of it, but it just seems great. like for the love of the craft i mean i think there's a lot of those reasons that melissa is naming off there about you know wanting to not have to bother with the hype and the expectation and yada 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 makes all the sense in the world i think just the point the point that i was sort of stumbling on is that she was looking for new criticisms of her work or new critiques of her work um from from people that didn't know that it was her writing it i don't think she's looking for critiques she has a world-class editor she has you know people at her disposal if she wants critiques feedback was the word she used which Mm. is different than critiques whether it's a letter you know that's not saying she only wants anything positive but get it going into the marketplace and getting the, the true unvarnished feedback that is only based on the writing because they know nothing about the person or better or worse mm. there has to be liberty now, i don't really go around like reviewing a whole gang of books too frequently but my thought was is it logical to think that somebody might give an almost inflated evaluation of something that they you know, when they can determine it's this person's first book and it's this good, I'm going to say it's amazing rather than if it was no. the same book word for word, but we knew that it was Robert's fifth installment or something. Well, first books get trashed all the time. The other thing is that if it was the same old, same old on his fifth book, they would have trashed him, J.K. Rowling, anybody who did it. You know, she's going to have to make it new and exciting each time. But like, so, but if she had done this as Joe from the onset, then she wouldn't even have the, you know, ability to have that comfort zone of book one because it's not J.K. Rowling's book one. It's but there's no you're, you've invented this comfort zone of book one that doesn't. But exist. we said that it has to improve there's upon no every installment because you said this one word for word can't be book five because 
that would mean that... Well, any any author who writes a series can't be treading the same ground in book five, whether it's J.K. Rowling or Robert Galbraith, but go talk go talk to a handful of first-time <laughs> book writers and ask them about, the, ask them about the, the book one comfort zone. It doesn't exist. You, but you, it's not you even are, something listen, unique to book writing. It's it's everything, any kind of creation. No, Everyone it's John, thinks it's that not, the sequel should be an improvement. If you're going to do it again, John, it should not, be better. It shouldn't be worse. It's not that it's unique to book writing. It doesn't exist in book writing. When people get the book, they come home and it's them and the words. And it do- if that book is not good, it's not going to matter. Right. But Read Booklist. Open up Booklist or Kirkus Reviews or Publishers, <laughs> Re- Publishers Weekly anytime you want. Every Read any first book. Yeah. You want to see some criticism? Go look. But- nobody, nobody thinks, oh, well, good try. It was your first book. But of course, the second book in a series... Has to not just be the same thing. That's for it anybody. It has to be even better, then, doesn't it? No, it just has to be different enough that is it's it allowed to be worse? Entertaining. Most sequels are worse. Isn't isn't that the comfort zone? Don't we say, oh, well, second books kind of you know aren't as magical as the first? Doesn't everybody say that about Chamber of Secrets? And about it's, sequel movies, it's true. And, sequel and then movies, like especially middle the movies. third one. I mean. Chamber of Secrets, like that whole publishing schedule on that, like we were getting our U.S. editions of those first couple books almost at the same time, weren't we? Like how big, how big was that Yeah, but she wrote them, she wrote wrote Chamber of Secrets on her her own time. It's just that the U.S. published the first one after and after, and then the demand was growing so great that they had to push the publication, but the text, the the writing of the text wasn't pushed. All right, well, I'll cut you some slack, Joe. I know you've had a hard week. <laughs> you don't need to be hearing it from me, of all people. I hope I hope oh that she'll my. do a little uh, cosplay as Robert at some point and show up as a guy, like, at a signing. I would be thoroughly entertained at this. That'd be great. But <laughs> we got a book to read, boys and gals. And first thing I want to know is, why the hell is this called Cuckoo's Calling? Is it a, a book about birds? Because Frankie really likes birds. So I, I could see birds. where that could have perked his ear a I little like bit. Birds. And anyone. Remember my cuckoo dance? I told you guys <laughs> my cuckoo dance. Remember the, the, the clock? Like, doo, 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 cuckoo. Oh, oh that's the cuckoo right. dance. You love that dance at every Leakicon ball. That's what yep, you do. That's my cuckoo dance. <laughs> I made it up. I mean, I hope that there's a whole lot of birds in this book because you know, I spent all that time on the intro of the on podcast. Cell to um, include many a bird, a bird call. Yeah, birds on cell phones. You know, it's dangerous. It's probably about a bird who was text what messaging while he was flying. Oh, and then got in an realized accident. he should have called and got in an accident. That's probably what it's about. What are you talking about? Who's birds, calling? Are birds able to calling? Ring, oh. ring. Do oh they my have God. small cell phones that they can use, or do they have to be strong enough to lift? Bum, like... bum. Let's get talking about the book. We are talking about the book. Why the hell is it called Cuckoo's Calling? No, we're Calling? not. No, we're not. We're doing the classic podcast ridiculousness. Nonsense. Which has now been done. And let's talk about well, the book. In the book, in the text, in the actual text, we hear something about the cuckoo here. I want to read this, and I think it's pretty, and I don't quite know what it means, but we're gonna, you're going to tell me. Where, what page are you the on? The very first page, this little poem here. Says, Why were you born when the snow was falling? You should have come to the cuckoo's calling. Or when grapes are green in the cluster, or at least when the lithe swallows muster, for they're far off flying from summer dying. So we have the words cuckoo's calling in here. If it's the only time they're ever uttered, I'm going to laugh if the whole book is 
Well, apparently the woman that died, I read this in a blurb someplace, the woman that died is called the Cuckoo by her friend. Oh, okay. That's But that's from a blurb, so it's not like a big spoiler or anything. Right. What's this all about? Is this just about dying young, basically? Yeah, it sounds like it. I mean... It even sounds like it has some sort of, like, like expectation-like thing. Like, talking about, like, almost yeah. like the grass is always greener. That kind of saying, like, it's always greener over there. Like, you should about- have been born here. You should have died here. Like, stuff that's out of your control. But it's talking about fall and spring. Yeah, definitely. Well, even win- so, winter and spring. Or winter. I guess it is just about... Yeah, I don't know anything about it, but it is, it's a dirge. Christina Rossetti, I mean, it's a dirge, which is a funeral poem, so... Oh, is it? Um, yeah, so that may there may not be any greater um, the pretty meaning w- in that, but that it's something that you say about somebody who's died. But I'm not sure. I've never seen this poem before. If you're an author and you have this story on your mind, what's the probability that this poem came to you earlier in your life and kind of was one that you remembered or had read before and then you write this book or you write this book and you're like, I need some profound poem to put at the beginning of it and you go digging through poems until you find this one. Joe probably knew. Yeah, I would even say that this probably sparked something that caught, like the kind of like the story, I would even go as far to say the story may have been sparked from that poem. Me too. Mm. Um, so on the on the thing on her website, it says the title is taken from the mournful poem by Christina Rossetti called simply A Dirge, which is a lament for one who died too young. The title also contains a subtle reference for, to another aspect of the plot. But as I can't explain what it is without ruining the story, I'll let readers work that one. <laughs> read it again. <laughs> John. You read it, no, Melissa. We all have the book. Why? All right. Just rewind it, it if you want to hear it again. No, but I can't rewind, rewind it. it. <laughs> okay okay why were you born when the snow was falling you should have come to the cuckoo's calling or when grapes are green in the cluster or at least when lithe swallows muster for they're far off flying from summer dying why did you die when the lambs were cropping you should have died at the apples dropping when the grasshopper comes to trouble and the wheat fields are sodden stubble and all winds go sighing for sweet things dying I mean, it's basically saying, why did, you know, yeah, why did you die young? So you should have died when your life was in its fall or winter. So where's the clue in here? So let's Where let's cross out, cross out the lines that are just, you know, a fun little alliteration to winter and spring. So the snow is falling, cuckoo's calling, done. Um, the grapes are green in the cluster, uh, or at least when the lithe swallows muster. Is that... It's interesting because she, the woman who died falls by uh, through the air, a fall yeah. and lands. Um, and it is like a bird. So I'm wondering about that whole line down there at uh, when the grasshopper comes to trouble and the wheat fields are sodden stubble. Well, grasshopper is from that old, you know, that old fairy tale. About the grasshopper and the, and the, what is it, the grasshopper and the ants? Is it the one who, the chicken? Do you know this? Do you know this? this We're just naming animals. I have no idea. The grasshopper does it. No, there's a about the grasshopper. Yeah, you know, Frankie. They did a Disney cartoon about it too. Yeah. They're um. Like he doesn't prepare for winter. I um, I googled cuckoo call lore, and Mm -hmm. in it says messenger of spring and morality in Chinese lore. Okay, so it's spring. Yeah, that's another season. Maybe the grasshopper coming to trouble, meaning it's the same. It's the same thing. Like somebody didn't prepare for the winter. I I think it's the something about the 
I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Or at least when Lithe swallows Muster, maybe all her little supermodel friends are Lithe swallows. Because Lithe means like lean and supple and right, all those yeah. things. Far off flying from summer dying. They're, they're flying south. And then when they get together to fly south, maybe it's people leaving for a, you know, a trip in the winter. Maybe all the models were going on a trip. Flying south for the winter. South Beach. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've we've deduced this this old. Well, poem that's all we have time to for today. Spring break. <laughs> Tune no! in next week. We have to talk about the prologue. All right, the prologue. Here we go. The prologue begins here. A prologue chapter is only just chapter. a couple pages, actually. It's page three to page six in your U.S. editions. If okay. you're all reading along. I read this this prologue um, about three seconds after I got the story. Before I did anything else, mm-hmm. I went and downloaded the book. Um, and a couple things about it. First of all, it is a classic J.K. Rowling opening. Not to say that if I had gotten this book in my hands, I would have said, oh, this is this is clearly J.K. Oh. Rowling. But once you know, it's it, this is bu- this is chapter one of Harry Potter mm-hmm. all over it again. Is. Yeah. It Drop totally you is. In, right? Drop you into the middle of the action of something without explaining everything at all. You know, you're just right in the middle of some key moment and it's just describing the scene and it sets up mystery and it makes you wonder. And, and, um, I love how beautiful really, she wrote it and how terrible it was at the same time. That contrast was awesome. Yeah, it's just, cl- it's just, it's classic Joe. It's also a different, a little bit of a different sentence style. And I'm wondering if she did this to mask herself a little bit. The sentences are longer and mm. with more clauses. I wouldn't have mm. picked up that? on that. I just know that. I don't like me me reading this not knowing it's her or listening to it um, not knowing it's her. I don't think I would have been like, oh, but this one feels more like Harry Potter than um, Casabagel did. I think she just kind of goes out of her way to really describe the scenes really intricately, which, you know, her just her use of descriptive words. Um. To just completely paint the entire picture and to paint parts of the picture you wouldn't have thought to think about. I think at least that would be something I would attribute to part of her style. And I think Frankie Melissa talking about the longer sentences is is when there's just so many phrases with you know ending in commas and continuing and continuing into this super long sentence that like your English teacher would tell you to stop, don't do it that way. But I guess you can do if you're J.K. Rowling. Mm-hmm. Or Robert Galbraith. Um, the most I think J.K. Rowling-ish thing about this book is that this, this prologue is the description of the inspector. He has a face the color of corned beef. <laughs> Which, yeah, that's very Joe. It's like a purplish, grayish, like mottled, ugh, gross you know, color. You just you can, but you can see it. Like you got you bad know? circulation. Like you just. Like, ugh. You can see his his shirt cutting off his neck and his heavier. Yeah, face. Like it just it says everything in that in that line. Did now Sorcerer's Stone? Did that start off describing Privet Jive or anything else? It said it said uh, there's nothing particularly special about the Dull Grey Tuesday. You know that kind of stuff. They yeah. were normal. And um, so many books start with you know the main character and they just kind of slowly lead you in. This is. I'm just going to parachute you right into the middle mm-hmm. of a very important moment. I mean, that seems to be and like a popular storytelling thing lately. Like, you know, especially in, in films, 
they don't start you off slow. They put you right into like the new Star Trek movies had some crazy oh, ass mission, you know, on a island that a volcano was erupting on. And before you figured out who the hell anybody was, you didn't like that movie? I like that movie. Oh, Mr. Doodles. I love the 2009 one, but this one I felt was contrived and trite. Oh, well, all right then. And I wanted to sound I guess fancy we'll... and snobby, so I did. Um, I guess we'll have to just talk about the book then. Yes. Um, so, so wait. So you guys are saying that it won't be... It'll be similar to Harry Potter in the sense that the, like when the book starts, <laughs> it's not going to be like right after this. Yeah, she does these kind of standalone chapters that aren't the real beginnings of the book, mm. but they tell an important plot point. Yeah. No, I don't mean a real beginning. They are the real beginning, but they aren't in, in the narrative perspective that are going to take you to the rest of the book. Mm-hmm. But they are. They're just a, a key scene yeah. outside the rest of it that's, that's really important. And then the next chapter, you meet your protagonist and you find out all, the situ- all about a situation. I mean, they're like the most, they're like the moment in time in which the whole rest of the book is going to deal with. The starting or the inciting incident. The main character is not going to be. But this she girl. like. I I think there's a girl's good and dead, dead from the sound of it. So, I don't. I mean, we that are there books that start off with like in in the future and then they go back and they're like seventeen yeah. years yeah. earlier. Well, TV yeah. shows you that a lot. Like you open up yeah. on a scene with Oops. the character hanging off an edge, and then it's like six hours earlier, and they're just like yeah. <laughs> having a picnic. This chapter's outlining a scene that I feel like, you know, in our celebrity culture obsessed uh, society, we have seen more than a couple of these sort of situations where um, a pretty well-known person is uh, discovered um, dead somewhere and the media goes crazy because it's the next big story of the moment. All of the journalists, all of the television reporters and the satellites and everything else. So, like, we understand this is a pretty important person. Yeah, this is not anything specific. It's just, like, how they describe this, how she described the scenes. And she's describing, like, the girl, like, how she was beautiful. But then, like, her her face was reduced to, like, a pucker. And, and her eyelid was, like, just mm-hmm. showing a slit of, like, gray. And then, like, the sequence on her on her shirt gave the impression of muscles muscles tensing or well and i guess i have a i have a pretty vivid image of it i'm realizing now because back in 2006 i went to uh israel with my church group and our first night in tel aviv we woke up and someone had jumped off the balcony Mm. of the hotel and so there was like like a whole murder scene there and like we we were leaving and so we didn't get to see much of it but now I'm realizing a lot of my imagination is taking that but making it into a London setting versus a Israel setting. One thing that I think uh, I wanted to look out for in this is um, the idea that we can predict what's happening in the later chapters and at the end of the book, I think, is sort of one of the main reasons we're reading it this way. So if we are truly professional Harry Potter fans... Um, I know, right? This we need like to be able to figure out from this prologue what happens in this book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's 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 a lot. All um, right. Well, we know um, that she's dead. We don't have many names yet, but why do we think she's dead? Well, obviously it's not suicide, or this there wouldn't be a book. That's true. Um, okay. 
But the but the <laughs> so assumption in the scene, what Detective Roy Carver here is assuming, is that this is uh, an obvious suicide. No, he's not. No? Detective Roy Carver has a witness that that Wardle is saying was coked out of her mind. He's ca- he's calling him your witness. So clearly, uh, okay. this is somebody that that Carver kind of wants to pursue. And I have a feeling we're going to meet Carver later mm-hmm. when Cormoran Strike gets on the case and he might be like an ally. Like, I don't think it's suicide either, you know? Um, but Wardle, it's made pain to note that he is very excited by all the, all the press attention mm-hmm. and he keeps going to like wait for the ambulance out where he could be photographed, mm-hmm. you know, and, and be part of the story. And he's kind of like younger and good looking and has stay. So it's, very far out there. I will never. I'm not putting anything down on this, but maybe Wardle knows something about. Do we think Wardle was the killer? Uh, here? I don't think so. Wardle's just maybe this is his first big crime scene and first big press attention thing or whatever. Well, I'll say with the information we have about him, absolutely not. But as the story develops, who knows? Who knows? But he is. He is. He does seem lured by celebrity, and that is, as we know, one of the main thrusts of this book. Mm-hmm. It's about the idea of what celebrity yeah. is to a person. Were you saying that Carver did not think she jumped or that she did think she jumped? I think Carver's not convinced. Like, the evidence is that she jumped. It- but Wardle said the poor cow jumped, which let me explain how much I like this guy. The poor cow jumped. Um, there was no one else there. Your so-called witness was... Co- so. No, I think Carver said th- that. Am I, am I crazy? Because... Oh, you're totally right. I, Wardle I mixed them cuts up. off Carver when he says it's coming. You're right. You're right. It is. It is. So then, yeah, Carver thinks it's a suicide. Whoops. Man, I'm slacking. It's in my all right. No, I mean, it's kind of tricky. The, I mean, it kind of would, would besuit a uh, hardened, uh, you know, detective inspector. He already figured what happened, and he's just going to look at the evidence as a way to prove his hypothesis. And So my question for you guys is, do you think that there's, that there's key incredibly important plot points in here or this is just to set up the story there has to be plot points it's joe it's something we're just we're just gonna be like oh it's such beautiful writing and they're like wow can we have not have seen this Mm -hmm. well whatever one thing that always triggers me with her writing is when some character gets cut off and there's a couple of that times happening here and one of them here like we just mentioned is there is no one else there your so-called witness was coked out of her and yeah, then, that witness. And then we get caught up. That off. witness is going to be important. Right. Yeah. That witness is coming back. Do we know what time-ish this is? Like, a, Isn't it nighttime? Well, oh, 2 o'clock yeah, this morning. One, that was go. the there fact that they had is that... She fell at 2 o'clock this morning. So this must be the morning after. I can't find the big clue that she's <laughs> that she's laid in here. This is going to be interesting, yeah. us reading this in real well, time. Now when we, when we get through the end of the book, we need to go back and just kind of read the prologue again. Um, yeah. And be I'm like, sure oh, it'll oh be my gosh, look at it. Well, now, later on on, on page five here, it talks about how um, the other few facts that they had known had been spreading like a virus. Um, there was a public uh, fight with uh, her famous boyfriend, and uh, apparently mm-hmm. this boyfriend fled into a rehab facility. Mm-hmm. So if Instant what are the drugs. chances he already had a rehab facility lined up? And my, just in case my girlfriend ever dies, I'll check into this rehab. He was probably already at this rehab. Or so this if is the he, second. he's been to rehab before. He's been, he'd been to he's rehab, been to rehab before, before. And, and then he, yeah. Yeah. in an adult state of mind, did something he regrets. Of course he's going to retreat to a place that he can find mm-hmm. 
help and try like yeah but if he did something he didn't mean to do because like you hear like addiction isn't the easiest thing to deal with and it makes you do things that you don't you wouldn't do in a sober mind and so now he's like crap i don't think it's the boyfriend it's too obvious well, it, the boyfriend's always the first suspect yeah. i just think it's interesting it's the second mention or indirect mention anyway of of drug use around the central character here um with the, the other witness who they think was coked out or whatever now, is this, the witness do, does also it say if it's rehab. an apartment building or a hotel? It's an apartment building. She was in the top floor. Penthouse apartment. Very nice then. So it's not like she's living in some scummy little, like... No, well, she's a supermodel, so... So this was interesting. It says that the the woman who swore that she overheard this, the second argument moments before the body fell became briefly famous, blah, 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 but then mm-hmm. was somehow proven to have lied, and then she retreated into rehab. That's that's and that I think is where a, a world of story. How do you prove that she lied? Right. Was somebody else there? Yeah, you can't the, the prove de- a witness has lied unless there's either some kind of surveillance footage that says she was nowhere near it, or like you can place her somewhere else, some other way, or there's another witness with that witness contradicting her story, or there's yeah. a cover up of some kind. Yeah. What if it's Detective Carver? Oh. What if he's involved in this cover-up? Oh, man. Nah, Carver just seems like he's just frustrated and just wants to get out of there and wants to No, Carver so, isn't the one who likes fame. Wardle. Who's the one who likes fame? No, Mortal. Wardle. Wardle's the one. Squirtle. Who likes fame? Squirtle, Squirtle. Squirtle. Wardle. 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 What, is there anything... Wardle, what, is, does Wardle... You know, I don't think she's doing as, as heavily with the names in this one because those are clues. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and we're and we're a little bit too hip to her. Also, she wanted to get away from her. But I think she can't resist a good name. You know, Cormoran Strike. Cormoran is a name for a sea giant that appeared in an Arthurian legend. Um, and as we learn, because um, I'm like a page into the next, the next okay. section. Melissa and um, Ellie, cheater. Well, but also this is all in the blurbs that he's huge. He's like this big, big, big guy. You know, so. That, you know, so I don't think she can really like resist a good resonant name. So do do we have anything on what the word Wordle Wordle comes back to? It doesn't seem like a very strong character. It just seems kind of like a wishy washy. M O R T L E. Wordle W. Sounds like a mix of water and puddle. It's just real kind of. And waddle. Yeah, like doofy. Like I'm I'm, I I, my the vision I see in my head is. LeFou from uh, the it was a Gaston's buddy in Beauty and the Beast. Totally looks like Wardle. All right, hold like on. I got LeFou. British British surnames website. There's nothing. Wardle, uh, a hard plate for wire drawing containing a series of straight lines. What? what? A Wardle, Wardle of steel. A Wardle of steel. It looks like somebody who comes from a place called Wardle. Like that's that's it looks like where where it comes from. <laughs> I come from. from Wardle. A draw plate it's a, or an it's app. one of her ta- one of her one maps. Of she looks on a map and... through which a cylinder or plug of lead is sometimes drawn in the manufacture of lead pipes. Hmm. No, I think this is just she found it on a map. Well, we will never know for sure. We're looking we're looking too closely yeah, here. We keep are. reading. We're looking too closely. All right, so I think I think that may be where we get that fault. Like, you know, how did how did how was this witness proved to have lied? Yeah, 
maybe and so next time on cuckoo yeah, cast next time on cuckoo cast we're gonna keep reading the next page here says three months later so we're going to fast forward a little bit into part one on our next episode getting us all the way through chapter seven so if you would like to I'm, read along with us your assignment should you choose to accept it is to read up to part two all the way through part one first seven chapters and we will discuss it the next time you hear back from us and predict what we will be thinking we'll see in part two after that. And uh, hopefully the whole one number offset on these episodes won't confuse anyone, but episode two of Cuckoo Cast will be about part one well, of This can be calling. episode zero Oh, of fancy that. But no, yeah, I want to have seven. That. I like to have my oh, seven. Oh, seven, because it is the most magical number. It will freak me out if we end it on a six. Like, I hate six. I love seven. Six is the number of man. It would be... It would be well, you can do a seven like a post script. Like but a, then it's still oh, well, eight podcasts, so... I was like... Fine. Whatever. <laughs> I can't... I don't care as much as this conversation is taking. I can't tell you time. how much it bothers me that I have seven books on the shelf and then eight movies. Like, ugh. Come on. I just put both discs into one case. Did you really? Yeah, I can't handle it. It drives me crazy. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. All right, well, moving on here. It's the end of the show. So I don't know how show? we're ending this yet, but let's... let's. There's nothing else to discuss. Nothing, nothing else to it. discuss. Yeah, how do we not... pronounce this pr- author's hope? name? Is it Galbraith? 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 J.K. Rowling. Gryffindor? I want to call, call her Joe Rowe. Okay, you guys. I just realized like, something. At Joe the Rob. end, at Joe, the end of the Ro- Jojo, at the end of the book, joke. we have to sort all the characters. <laughs> oh, no, hooray! No. Our special bonus episode no. with Frank. I can tell you, sorting by himself. <laughs> I can tell you already that the Inspector Butthole Carver is a Gryffindor, who's a, a wannabe hero, kind of a butthead, and uh, <laughs> a, a war- a Warble or whoever he is. Is probably Warbler. a uh, Hufflepuff, um, or maybe a, a Hufflepuff Slytherin. No. Just he's a Slytherin. I, mean, he's, he, I guess he, he'd be like a Goyle or something. Like he's, he's a Slytherin. Kind of like Come a, on. Yeah. Okay. Ever a murder scene and he cares about getting photographed? Okay, he's so he's a Slytherin, but he's kind of a doofus Slytherin. So fun. Yes. Two characters sorted. We don't know enough yet about uh, the woman who was killed. Do we have a name for the woman who was killed, by the way, or is she just woman who Lula was Landry. killed? Lula Landry. What is it? Lula Landry. Lula, Lula Landry. Is it really Luna? Lula. Lula. Oh, Lula. 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 Okay, this is a long podcast. Let's be oh, done and go on the scheme of podcasting. Is it that long? So good times. Yes. I'm glad we're cuckoo casting, kids. Until next time. Keep reading don't. the book. Yeah, okay. Yeah, don't say <laughs> twiddle. Don't, don't, we're not twiddling don't, nothing. Don't, don't. We're not doing nothing. Um, well, how do we, how Just, do we end this? We, we, we will take your suggestions for how to end this. I'm going to no. play like Mm-mm. a whole That's game a of birds. Thing. You have fun. Can we play Angry Birds? <laughs> Angry Birds. <laughs> There's no cuckoos in Angry Birds. All right. Next time know. we'll be back with part one of Cuckoo Cast. Read your books. We'll see you then. Oh, the cuckoo's calling. Part one of the cuckoo's calling. Yeah, that's what I said. No, Cuckoo Cast. This is Cuckoo Cast. This has been Cuckoo Cast.